welcome to Define the Relationship podcast, a podcast where we explore the relationship we have with the Bible and ourselves. I'm one of your hosts, Darlene Enstick. And I'm the other host, Ted Enstick. And as you can tell from our names, we belong together. I just defined the relationship. Welcome back to the Define the Relationship podcast. This is Ted back with you and Darlene. Yeah, we are super excited today because after 18 months of doing lots of podcast recordings, where we're staring at each other, staring at each other, we're the only human beings in the flesh and blood that we're seeing. We actually have somebody in the home studio today with us in person, Aaron Funk Wheeler. Welcome, Aaron. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, some of you may know, um, Aaron is giving leadership and direction and vision to our children's ministry at Seeds. And what that's meant in the past couple of years is meant a lot of reimagining and revisioning about how we think about how we integrate children into our community. And um, as we, I think we talked about in the last podcast, one of the ways we view ourselves as a church at Seeds in terms of what we do is we think of ourselves as creating environments for people to connect to God, to themselves and others, and creating environments for our children to connect to God, to themselves and others is a big part of that as well. Um, we've got people of all kinds of generations in our community, and we want to think intentionally about how we create environments for children. And so we brought Aaron here to... Uh, update us at Seeds a little bit on her thinking and some of the thinking that's gone behind the scenes and uh, what we're looking to do in the the next few months at Seeds. So that's kind of a bit of a background. Do you want to say some more, Darlene? You look like you're about to say something more. Really? You could tell that? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I was just thinking about how Aaron... Uh, when you, when we started meeting together and you started to give some heart and thought and energy to this, one of the things that impacted me a lot, and this was pre pre COVID, um, was the idea of, um, approaching it slowly and thoughtfully. And that, I think I don't know if you know that that's really seeped into my, mm-hmm. my thinking too, like mm-hmm. not just for children's ministry, but like this idea that we don't have to like quickly, like, I don't know, create something and make, get a good program going. It's mm-hmm. like, there's been a very, um, interesting approach, contemplative approach mm-hmm. to this that I really appreciate from you, but maybe a good place to start is, is, do you want, should we start from that place of kind of how? Well, maybe just even before I get into into the nitty gritty, just say a little bit about yourself, Erin, about mm-hmm. what like what you do in your free time <laughs> <laughs> when you have some. <laughs> what do you do with your time, Erin? Uh, currently, this. <laughs> um, okay, me. I am a mother of two young little kids. 
Um, before they were around, I enjoyed things like reading and <laughs> stillness. <laughs> they keep me busy. Um, but they will be kind of the anchor, I think, throughout this conversation. Um, I am also a teacher, so I've taught for 10 years and um, a variety of ages and stages. Um, yeah, so I have kind of just a smattering of teaching experience under my belt. And I'm, I've lived, I grew up in Altona, I've lived in Altona most of my life other than pursuing post-secondary in Winnipeg, and so I feel very connected to this community and connected to SEEDS. I've gone to SEEDS since I was 14, so I feel like I know a lot of where we've been and what we've gone through, and yeah, so I, that's kind of my background coming into this role. And I feel like even in the last couple of years, like you know, we've talked a lot in the Seeds community about kind of rethinking faith stuff or deconstructing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's been a really important journey for you too, personally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That might like web in and out of to why I've chosen to give leadership to this and how that's impacted my thinking and an approach to this as well. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's start. Like, what are some of the big ideas or mm. things going around in your thinking around children and faith? Um, yeah. What are the things that have sort of struck you or maybe, maybe jolted you a little mm. bit in thinking like, okay, I don't, I'm not sure this is the right approach or mm. there might be a better way. I think, okay, if I can remember before COVID, there was time. <laughs> Life. There, was, there were things that were happening. <laughs> okay, if I can rewind the tape. My youngest is three. So I remember being very pregnant with, or just having him. I don't remember quite the timeline. Um, and I remember my oldest um, not being interested in going to our um, what was our children's ministry at that time. So maybe I should describe c- kind of what it sure. was at that time. Sure. It's just more of a traditional Sunday school format so that we have a, an upper floor in our church. And during the service, the kids would be with us kind of for the beginning and singing, and then they'd be released upstairs. And then there would be different classrooms with different ages and mentor teachers leading it with some more biblical instruction. And then they'd come down and join us for communion. So that was kind of the, the rhythm and format. And my youngest never, or my oldest never wanted to go. She never, I don't know why she's very outgoing and she's highly extroverted. Um, but there was some sort of, whether it was like a separation anxiety or I'm not sure she just never wanted to go. And I was just so frustrated. (laughs) I just really wanted her to just go. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember asking myself why, like, why is this happening? And then because I am fairly connected to, um, the, my peer group in our church community, I started just asking some of my friends, like, what about your kids? Like, how are they experiencing? And there was a lot of similar reactions, like a lot of, especially younger kids really didn't want to go. And, um, I remember mentioning, maybe mentioning these things to you, Dar, or some, some kind of processing a little bit of like, what's going on. I felt very disconnected from what was happening upstairs. I did not volunteer. (laughs) I did not want to. 
I'm around kids all week. I am trying to get away. I was trying to get away from all the small little ones. Um, that format just didn't look appealing to me. Um, and so, I mean, like I wasn't obviously putting my own effort forward and I knew that I should do that if I cared about it. So there was that. Um, but I was also experiencing some medical issues with my, that came on during my pregnancy and life kind of came to a standstill. So I really wasn't capable of doing anything outside of growing a human and (laughs) any little trickle effects that came off of that. Um, so I remember this conversation, I think it was with you, Jar, where you're like, well, maybe you're, because I think at that point, the person who was providing leadership to the children's ministry didn't, was moving and wasn't able to provide it moving forward. And you're like, well, do you want to do it? And I was like, no, <laughs> are you kidding? No way. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized, like, I would be willing to provide some background leadership that seemed at my own pace and my own level that did a little bit more research and digging into what was actually happening Mm -hmm. with our children's ministry. And so the next year moving forward, another person kind of stepped up and took over the, um, like facilitating the instruction and, um, leading the responsibilities and things like that. Just kind of maintaining what we had been doing, maintaining what we had been doing. And then I did a lot of, um, kind of research is to kind of figure out what was going on. So I, I met with as many families as I could to, and I asked them a series of questions about basically what was their experience? What were their kids experience? What did they like? What did they not like? What was working? What wasn't working? And what would the dream program situation look like? And the information was really interesting. It, it, uh, it really showed, um, that there's a big disconnection between what was happening upstairs and what was happening downstairs. Yeah, that was like, it was a really neat process, first of all, just to like meet with all the families at that time who considered themselves um, to be connected to seeds. And um, just the information was so interesting too, that both like the wide variety of responses that there were and then also some commonalities. So um, yeah, it just was clear that there, is lo- there was a lot of room to rethink what we were doing. And more importantly, I think why we were doing, are doing it, we're doing it. Um, a lot of parents expressed um, that they were at a point in their faith, faith journey of like of deconstruction and not knowing tools for a reconstruction in their own path. And then like what, how they wanted to provide some sort of spiritual component to their children's lives, but did not know how to do that in a non-traumatizing, non-legalistic way. And so it felt like um, there was just a big gap and, and like parents that are in a fantastic space. Like I love people who are pursuing doubt and digging into questions like that feels like we're really going somewhere, but also as a parent in a similar space, well, what do we do? What is okay to do? And what, um, how do we approach this, uh, this idea of wanting to make Jesus real to our kids and feeling like we don't really know mm-hmm. <laughs> how to do that in non-harmful ways. Um, Anyways, so from there, I think I just met with other leadership teams in our church and just started to bring the conversation to more groups of people and wanting to get more feedback. And um, and then just as we were kind of moving towards some dreaming and visioning, COVID hit. Uh, so that kind of put a pause on a lot of those conversations um, 
for I feel like at least like half a year to a year like even our our community worship services were on and off and I was drowning in teaching during COVID and there's just a lot of a lot of things but it feels like the conversation has kind of been unpaused in the last number of months and um and it feels like now we're starting to slowly and thoughtfully move forward again first with COVID restrictions and um but I think that I think we're still going in really good places right now so that's kind of like the vague Mm -hmm. (laughs) overarching story it's just good to have like some good background to yeah where the conversation has been yeah. both personally and corporately i think yeah. and um can i just just i wonder if you could say a little bit more like before COVID hit mm-hmm. we had the opportunity in the year proceeding to get oh, parents right. yeah. we were able to get parents together um for what we call parent happy hours yeah. and it was just basically providing care for their children and allowing them to kind of interact with their own faith experience mm-hmm. and stuff. Do you want to say a bit about that? Cause yeah, I um, forgot about that yeah, no, that's, as a pre COVID thing. It's like, what? Um, it, it impressed Pete ends when we had him on the podcast. He <laughs> well, was, Pete, he was, you're he, welcome to come he to was one. Ready to come up for that. Um, you let me know your beverage of choice, Pete, and I'll make sure it happens. <laughs> um, yes, this was also during the year where I was kind of doing that background research. And then, so the children's ministry was still happening, but it was just so clear from the research that parents need a place to be and and connect and maybe some off, uh, um, some, some, uh, equipping as well. So we started, I think we were able to have two parent happy hours. And what that meant was, um, parents were invited any and all parents who felt connected to the church community. And there was free childcare available at our building. Um, and there was a lovely variety of snacks from our amazing food team. And I had the fun job of picking out all the alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages. And like, it's a hard no. Like how could, like, or, it would hard, be hard to say no. Like how can you say no to free childcare, free booze, and an opportunity to connect with other people in your community? Like really, we made it almost impossible. And the turnout was really good. Like we had a lot of... Amazing. Amazing. It was like, how could you possibly... Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah and we and I think actually at the beginning we we the very first one we had was just throwing out or I facilitated both of them and the first one was just focused on what do we want to focus on during these times and helping parents to kind of create a list of topics and issues and things that they want to pursue to um, broaden their toolbox, but also to, 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 um, grow in, in community. And then the second one, we started to dig into some of those, um, um, more theological discussion of where do we go next? Mm-hmm. You know, where we're at, where are we at? Where do we go next? Mm-hmm. Um, and here's hoping that we can do that sometime soon again, cause mm-hmm. that, that felt like a good movement. And I think that expresses my shift in thinking. It's I don't like to call it children's ministry. Mm-hmm. I like to call it family ministry. It feels like mm-hmm. slash everyone a little bit. Like <laughs> what we're doing for kids and families, I think maybe benefits a lot more people than, than just people who are kids or parents. Um, we should maybe unpack the word ministry at some point. Right? Yeah. Also that <laughs> word. What is it? What does it mean? Yeah. Really, this is like, yeah, what are we... Maybe just the environment. Like, what environment are we creating for families? What environment are we creating for children? And so I kind of see it as, like, yeah, those those two 
and the bigger church community combined, all creating like a triangle of things that I'm thinking about when we're thinking about how we do life and church and stuff. The other day when the other day when we were were gathering for our um, our community worship gathering uh, to start the year, you were talking a bit mm-hmm. about children, and you, you quoted something, and I don't know if you have it on the top of your head, but it was kind of like to paraphrase something about how faith mm-hmm. is more caught by our kids from us than something that we teach them or we kind of download to them. Um, Do you remember that? I I liked how you put that. This is my parenting mantra. Um, Who you are and how you embrace the world are much stronger predictors of who your children will become than anything you know about parenting. And then I inserted anything you know about Jesus or faith. So I truly believe that kids are looking to the adults in the room to uh, figure out if they're safe, if they're welcome. And they're also watching us, like, how do we live? How are we, how how do we do humanity? Um, And so I think if they're always off in another room by themselves, um, they're not, that's not maybe the most impactful place um, that they can, can be. And so um, that has kind of that idea. Um, COVID is kind of, well, do we want to talk about kids in the service? I, we haven't even really talked about what we're doing now. So I don't no. want to like jump ahead. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. Okay. If you're ready to, we can, if you're not, we I was can, just going to start we, talking we about that. A place <laughs> mark on that or. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of whole theme, I think like that quote kind of is a driving mm-hmm. force for me in my own parenting life. But I think in how I teach or approach teaching as well, like I have to, I have to be the adult that I want my kids to become. Um, and my students to become with also grace for imperfection and mm-hmm. <laughs> mistakes and all those things. So basically yeah. keep the kids around. I know, I know it's hard, but. Well, it's, what's powerful about that is um, there's two things that are powerful to me. One is it takes the pressure off in the sense mm-hmm. that how we do it towards our kids in terms of what we provide them with input or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, teaching, all that stuff, that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. So we can stop worrying about doing it the right way yeah and then then maybe on the other hand is it's sort of like okay you know whatever we are focused on whatever how we are living our lives is actually what they're seeing Mm. and picking up on and uh, I don't know if that puts pressure on us but it's just sort of like that's really where it matters and Mm. we do have control over that too like that's one place where we have some control is how we um move in this yeah. world and it frees me i think to feel like i have to be the expert in every topic mm-hmm. like or the expert of parenting in every topic like i can i my job is to walk out my journey with um all the things that are on our radar all the time right like all i don't need to be an expert in how to raise an lgbtq Q inclusive child i need to walk out how i reach out and create space and room for diverse people. And I don't need to be an expert on racism, but I do need to make space and room for people of different skin colors and ethnicities in my family's life. And then, so if I'm focusing on my own journey and my kids are coming alongside me, it feels like it saves me from having to always think about what do I know? And then what do I also have to (laughs) know for kids? Like I can on age appropriate ways you can connect them just connect they're not yeah yeah, yeah. they're not, they're not in two separate. different worlds yeah yeah because yeah. otherwise that just feels impossible like the list of things that parents are responsible responsible for these days are just like insane so yeah. 
So can you give us a bit of a lens of, um, of how we're approaching this at seeds, maybe an overall lens, and then we can kind of focus in on like, so a a particular Sunday morning. Let's yeah. So starting macro. Yeah. Um, okay. So right now where things are at, this is a little different than I think if we would have continued where we were going before COVID, but I think this is an asset uh, where we are now, um, due to the restrictions and all of our young kiddos not being vaccinated, um, I just haven't felt comfortable opening up the upstairs slash what are we going to do? Like, I don't know, like that's mm-hmm. a lot of energy, a lot of manpower, a lot of dollars that go into creating a typical Sunday school morning. And is that actually where, um, the best use of our efforts can go? if we know kids need to be with the adults Mm -hmm. (laughs) too. So where we're at right now is we're trying to rethink how we do community worship and making it more of an inclusive environment for all ages. So planning with kids in mind. Um, And what that looks like right now is um, there are activity crates that kids can access when they come in and they have a little blanket. We are still very conscious of our, um, staying within our household and trying to be together apart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, so that, that has definitely brought some limitations with how we can consider kids in our service. Um, but it's also helped us to, to think like we have to keep our kids with us because we have to stay as a group. So how are we going to, is it accessible for kids? Is our service accessible for all ages? And how do we rethink um, ways that we can make it accessible to everyone? So, um, yeah, you want me to go through kind of what last Sunday looked like? Yeah, I think, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of forced this this experiment, right? To, To think about how... Um, how we can do that. And, and so we're just, we really are experimenting right now. Yeah. So yeah, run us through this experiment. Well, and you guys are there, so jump in. (laughs) (laughs) And we lived to tell about it. Um, I think in my planning, I definitely rely heavily on my teacher brain of what we know about thinking and learning and um, because it, because I've taught a variety of age groups, I can kind of like think through things that hopefully would would cast the widest net. So we, um, I mean, there's still all of our pillars of our service there too. We still have our welcoming and our singing. Um, and we had a bit of a, a activator for everybody. So we were able to all look at a the same image and try to figure out what was happening in the image. And the theme of the morning was love one another. And the image was a child visibly looking sad and another child with their arms around them. And so, yeah, there was just some conversation around what's happening. You know, how do you know what's happening? Just trying to get everybody thinking and talking um, with whoever they came with that morning or their family. And that was neat just to see families talking together and kids participating. And then when I opened it up to the, community to share that's like the kids were the first ones who were brave enough 
to offer their thinking. Brave enough or just like oblivious enough, I'm not sure. <laughs> weren't aware of all the voices listening, but many kids were able to share some neat observations. They, they knew it was for them. Yeah, they did. Like without us saying, okay, now we're having a kid's time. Yeah, like well, it wasn't kid's, a kid's time. It right. was an everybody time. Exactly. But yeah. they, they, they knew yeah. it was for them. Yeah, they did. And I don't know whether that's like just because kids innately know when maybe they're always looking for opportunities to connect or maybe mm-hmm. their families helped pull them in or yeah, I don't know. It's, it was a cool yeah. thing to see. It kind of reminds me of like, maybe that's one of the ways that when Jesus said, you know, you need to become like little children, yeah. like that's that sort of responsive openness. Yeah. You know, like it, those are our three values at seeds response, yeah. responsive, open and connected. And it's like, they're sort of, it's they're right there. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of the generations need a little warming up or whatever. Yeah. I, I think that for the first time it was like the kids were like, Hey, this is for us. <laughs> and the adults were like, I don't know. Is this for us? Right. Like, like, t- like when you did that exercise <laughs> where yeah. you put your finger on your palm, like the kids are right there. And then you almost had to coax the, the adults in the room, right? Like yeah. this, you can do this. You can do this. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I'm trying to incorporate into the service is just helping kids learn how to, or anybody, adults and kids learn how to regulate. So that just means helping us to feel grounded and calm and a sense of alertness, healthy alertness. And so we did a bit of a breathing exercise, a heart breath, and um, and then we did a a guided meditation. Again, kind of just grounding ourselves and focusing ourselves and leading into some um, brainstorming or, or thinking of of what love means for you and safety and, um, yeah, from, from that. So there's kind of that grounding and that teaching kids how to also be quiet is important. Like, I think there's also a lot of merit in creating space for there to be noise and like the kids have had to be quiet forever. So it's, I think it's okay if some adults are uncomfortable. I'm just going to say that there's room. You are welcome. Feel free to be uncomfortable. Like I'm trying my best to keep my kids at some sort of reasonable level, but if we truly want them to consider this to be their space too, we've, 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 there's got to be some give and take here. And we've asked them to sh- be shoved through this door for like a year and a half, if not longer, of it mm-hmm. being a quiet place for adults. I think it's okay that we're maybe thinking about what do they need to. Um, sorry, that's just my little rant. No, and it's, it, to be perfectly fair, I mean, adults at Seeds have been equal opportunity <laughs> noisemakers during... <laughs> services and so we're not going to mention any names but but we were prepared to if we need to at some point we know who you are standing by the back door during (laughs) communion (laughs) talking about things we know who you are um yeah and then i think a big pillar for me in this is i love books and and stories and i think that's how we learn and that's how we can engage in deep conversation and so i've curated continue to curate um what i think is a meaningful justice-driven children's library um, of picture books and and slowly throughout this theme of love one another pulling on some good meaningful rich read aloud opportunities to dig into this concept of loving one another and so we read one book last sunday we'll read another one this coming sunday and then um this idea of, of from that story pulling apart kind of that concept of brainstorming ways for how do we do this like what if love is abstract like mm. it's it's and we all know we know the right answers but like what is it really what is showing love like mm-hmm. it must it has to take effort so 
what does it really look like? Um, and so I think just creating that, adding to that list, trying to make these abstract ideas more concrete. Kids need concrete. Um, and adults do too, I think, mm-hmm. to some degree. I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> we all are desperate for these, especially right now, these real life ways to actually love one another. So, um, yeah. And, and then from that brainstorming time, we went back and the kids kind of had a job to do while uh, Dar did the teach for the morning. And um, their job was to just draw a picture of what showing love looks like. And then they brought it to the communion table. And I really liked watching the kids walk up while you were talking. I don't know if that was distracting for you, but I just was like, Oh my gosh, they're doing their job. Really? Like (laughs) as a teacher, it's like, okay, normally my job is to walk around and make sure everyone's doing their job, but I just left it all up to them. And like, (laughs) and there was a lot of cool things that were created there too. Like Mm -hmm. you could really tell. And some of the adults had participated too. And and then we looked at what they had drawn yeah. and words they had written. Yeah. Um, and like you said, they were on the communion table. So yeah. we kind of looked looked at it together yeah. at the end. And then as is our communal practice to come around the table, adults mm-hmm. and children, and to, like, that's our, you know, a tangible act to bring who we are and what we've wrestled with and oh, I was allow gonna, God to feed us at the table, you know? Gonna, yeah. I was going to say before, I totally forgot this part in the research that I did with these families that came out in every family that that was their kid's favorite part of the worship service was the communion table. And I was like, well, that is what we are all doing. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder why, why is that their favorite part? We, they didn't want to miss it. Some of them, their Sunday school was going over time and they were really upset and sad because then they would miss the communion. Like that, that seems to be very important yeah. to them. Anyways. Yeah, so, I think in some ways, I think that was our, it's been one of our most uh, impactful ways that we've created environments for everybody is the table. And I don't think we ever set out to do that, mm-hmm. but we've done this communal practice over mm-hmm. and over again, and they've been a part of it and they've seen it. And we hear stories about them talking about it outside mm-hmm. of being together yeah. or even in their play. Yeah. Like yeah. pretending to serve <laughs> communion to another person, stuff like this. It's like, um, it's just so embodied for yeah. them. And it's like, um, boy, how can we find ways to do even more mm-hmm. things yeah. that allow that to happen? Yeah, I'm pretty sure like there was a kid and I remember one of my friends telling me that they, they referred to bread as the body of Christ mm-hmm. at home. Can I have a piece can of I body the- of Christ? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and i mean we've done this one whole week and there was like a heap ton that we can do to get better at it like let's not let's not romanticize this like it it was it was a great first start and it wasn't like i see all sorts of other ways that we can continue to improve it but anyways i interrupted you well no it was just I just wanted to say that yeah, we're at the very beginning stages of this. So it'll be interesting to to see what we say six months down the road or yeah. whatever. Um, but our our intent, like even between the three of us, was that we are working together more to kind of grow this opportunity, this environment for us to connect and kind of weave yeah. back and forth between um, uh, spaces that not spaces, but 
maybe things that are more like when you talk about me doing my teach, that was less, you know, directed at them, but hopefully there'd been enough fodder Mm -hmm. at the front end that they could also, I think they were still picking up Mm -hmm. on words that I was saying and, Mm-hmm. And we kept our, you know, we hope to keep our stuff kind of short and shorter. So, yeah, just kind of intentionally designing something that is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that and how in in some ways it definitely feels like COVID It has mm-hmm. been an asset to helping us you know, forcing us to rethink how we do, how we do it. Mm -hmm. And I think utilizing our energies, like I'm a bit of a nerd about efficiency. Like I really love it. I just feel like there was just not a lot of people that were really, they did the volunteering because they thought they should, but not a ton of people were like super pumped about it. So it feels like it has alleviated having to ask people to leave the service to go provide that piece too. Like Mm -hmm. everyone's as an opportunity to participate. So yeah, I agree. Well, Erin, you showed up here with seven pages, seven, some pages of okay, well, notes. This isn't just for this. This was just like a general, like, Hey, here's some things to consider when thinking about including kids. So I feel like we're going to have to have you back on here to talk about the, this specifically. Cause would you believe we've already done 30 minutes of you told me it would fly and conversing I you and you're right. Um, Ted, is there anything else we should say in this or ask Aaron or, well, I don't know if we need to ask Aaron. I think maybe to ask people who are listening, we we're glad that you're listening and maybe getting some insight into how we are all trying to think about, um, creating environments for families. And, um, I think we want to continue the conversation because, um, the reality we're living in right now isn't going to be the reality forever. So we will have some more opportunities and, and maybe some more freedom to try some different things. Yeah. And, um, so this gets the conversation started. And I mean, the stuff that you prepped in terms of, uh, how we want to think about our families and how we connect them to the realness of Jesus. Mm. This is stuff we should pick up on here and there as we go forward and, and keep the conversation going. This is, this is really a a cool conversation and, uh, we, um, would love your feedback out there Mm -hmm. and questions and insights and stuff like that. Um, I'm just thinking one of the things that I'm thinking about with our, our children in worship, I mean, one of the real things that I lamented about the last 18 months is just how disconnected I became from a lot of small children because I didn't see them like I would on a weekly basis. And, you know, Mm -hmm. even just like, what happened to you? You're twice as big as you were the last time I (laughs) Or you were born. Yeah, Yeah. or you were born. (laughs) You know, and so um, it just just emphasizes how rich our community is because of our intergenerational character. And, um, yeah, I just, just missed that. And so I'm so glad that we're integrating them into what we're doing right now. Yeah. And I feel like whenever, like I just sat down with another member of our church community, who's a, um, pediatric occupational therapist. And 
it was just that conversation I had with him about ways that we could help create an environment where kids have their regulation needs met. Just like had adults written all over the conversation. Mm. Just like, oh, right. Whenever we start to think of those who are visibly showing us that we need help regulating, we really are just exposing what a lot of people need. And Mm. uh, I think, I just think that whoever would walk into that space, it's just so considerate of, of any anybody mm-hmm. at least that's what we're striving to create mm-hmm. and um yeah so i just love having these conversations because it always feels like when you're thinking about families and children it often exposes a lot of what everyone needs mm-hmm. too yeah. so thanks aaron for yep. joining us and uh looks like you're coming back yep. so <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a one-time <laughs> rodeo <laughs> <laughs> it's the three in me it's the overachiever <laughs> that's right <laughs> all right thanks everyone thank you yeah take care in between what was happening upstairs and what was happening downstairs um in terms of theology oh no ted he just spilled his water all over his <laughs> recording equipment <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> if you can hear me it's still working <laughs> Just pause. Do you want to pause? Just- <laughs>